Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. Are, are, are you ready to start the actual recording? Is anyone ever really ready to start the recording? <laughs> are any of us ever ready for anything, really? These well, and more questions tonight when, on this episode of uh, Midnight Book Club. Well, sometimes I consider my personal hero, Paul Walker. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> I recently watched the first Fast and Furious film. and You're not supposed to admit those things publicly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, he teaches us so many lessons. Like, drive fast. Don't give up. Make sure you don't granny shift. And which is totally a thing. Most importantly, make sure that a quarter of a mile lasts no less than 30 minutes. Then at least 30 minutes, preferably 45. <laughs> that is that somehow that 10 seconds of time takes 45 minutes or so. Also in the immortal words of uh, Vin Diesel slash Dom, he doesn't really have a name. He's Vin Diesel. That character does not. That is Vin Diesel. He lives his life a quarter mile at a time. I think we all should. You know, that really gets me in the frame it of just, mind. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Right, it's right yourself. there, you know? Yeah, you gotta... What would Dom do? <laughs> I, I just have to consider Dom's words of wisdom as we come together today to discuss... Whether you win by an inch or you win by a mile, winning is winning. <clears throat> I, I feel so centered and so ready to tackle... Mm-hmm. A really heady chapter. It's a very heady chapter, actually. <laughs> so we, we get our fun bridge chapter, The mm-hmm. Voice of Reason, which has just a, a great exchange between... Fantastic. Some of the best, like, druid priestess shade I think I've ever come across. <laughs> I don't know if Neneke is a druid, actually. I guess that would make sense. Yeah, her... fert- fertility goddess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so her, her exchange with... Tallies is just a master class mm. in giving shit to incompetent <laughs> men. I just love her. Yeah, it's it's it is it is quite mm. good the, for the her. The tea is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that she just really handed his ass to him. He was just so upset. Mm-hmm. But just I, deeply, just so, just butthurt. It's just like the only the, the only adjective to describe that is is just butthurt. <laughs> I I don't know about you, but Neneke is one of my personal idols, as I've said before. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think she just really shines in this chapter. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that we get this example. Well, you, you have been in the past described as the salt queen. So I, I think that, that she, she definitely falls into that category. Lies and slander. Mm, I think it's, in, it's literally in writing somewhere that you are the, the queen of salt. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think your former co-workers actually gave you a plaque. It wasn't a plaque. It was a fake newspaper front page. Yeah. Because I worked at, in it journalism. Is. When you leave your job, they give you a front page, and it's full of joke headlines. And mine was very funny, but also very mean. But they know exactly. They, yeah, they know yeah, exactly. They, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Every journalist gets something like that. And I treasure it to this day. It is. It's hanging up. Well, it was hanging up in our office before we moved. Anyways, um, so plot summary for Voice of Reason. Yes. Um, the plot summary is pretty quick if you want to take the lead on this. Voice of Reason, Chapter 3, is where we finally get the thin plot that drives uh, The Last Witch. So as we know from last time, uh, Geralt is visiting the Temple of Melitel in Elendor, which is in Demeria, which I had to look up because <laughs> I did not know that before. Um, I was like, where the heck is Elendor? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not mentioned anywhere. And so he is recovering from his injury after the fight with Astriga. And he has traveled to the Temple of Melitel with his friend Neneke, who he's known for unsaid amount of years many years i guess um and he's recovering and one day these two knights um order of the white rose mm-hmm. yep come into the temple knights in air quotes I think, right maybe. they're they're dressed very finely 
but um, there's one older man, one younger man. One younger man seems to have a fire up his ass or something. Um, so they, they come in one day when Geralt is visiting and has been for a while and basically try to kick him out immediately. They say he shouldn't be in Tamaria. He shouldn't be in this area. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if Tamaria is the right, whatever region they're in. Ellender region. You're, you're in Tamaria. You shouldn't be in this area. <laughs> I know. I got That's it the a, first time. I was just oh, ignoring okay. it. Okay. It was, I guess it wasn't funny. <laughs> That's fair. It's fine. Um, yeah. So, so to recap again, before I was so rudely interrupted, these two knights are coming in to kick Geralt out of Ellender, which is a region, city, unclear. Um, and... Mm. Neneke has gotten to the venerable position where she's able to tell everyone to just go away. Go kick rocks. Yeah. She's able to just do whatever she wants Mm -hmm. because she's untouchable. She's in this temple of a very popular goddess. If people attack her, then they're going to get, you know, some recompense. So she's able to really tell them whatever she wants. So she says, you guys have no authority here. This is an Ellender. This is the temple. And so mm. Geralt can stay here as long as he wants. Mm. And the knights say, if he doesn't, we're going to do it by force. Mm. To which Neneke says, no, you're not. <laughs> you can't <laughs> do that. Um, so the it basically ends with Geralt volunteering, hey, I didn't even want to be here for that long anyway. I'll be out of here in three days. And the knights, after Tailies, which is the younger one, threatens Geralt to a sword fight and throws his sword on the ground like a two-year-old, Neneke is like, get out of here. Just go. And they keep saying they'll be back. So we know that this is something we'll revisit in later chapters. I think that um, this just... The plot is pretty thin here, but it does show that Geralt, whether by his witcher or mutant status or Mm. whether just from being as famous as he is, hasn't attracted a whole lot of friends in high places. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So he he here has, Geralt has angered some knights here Mm -hmm. and it's clear that they don't want him here. So we'll see how that pans out later. So one of the things that the knights bring up is calling him the butcher of Blaviken. Mm-hmm. Which is something that we haven't heard before, but in the TV series, it's something that comes up. It's the first episode, actually, that we're going to tackle this worst material today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Geralt is pretty much synonymously known as Geralt, butcher of Blaviken. Yep. It's a very common nickname for him. So we've learned that that's another thing that the knights hold against him. So today we're going to learn about where that came from. So we're going to learn about the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. First of all, are there is there anything I left out of Voice of Reason? Anything? No, there, there wasn't a whole lot of um, there wasn't a whole lot of points. It was just a lot of character development and world building, really, mm-hmm. um, and just a lot of good shade. It's just a lot of fun. So, Excellent shade. Yes. So yes, um, the chapter is the lesser of two evils, and as Anyone who has ever voted in an election can tell that is something we constantly talk Mm -hmm. about. How do you know um, if you're choosing the lesser of two evils? How do you choose? Mm. These are all important questions and ones that Anse is really tackling really well here. So we'll go into the summary first. And again, I'm going to try to be brief, but last time I said I was going to be brief, I took 36 minutes. (laughs) So I will try to be, I can promise you I'll try to be shorter than that. Okay. If you need my help, let me know. I can tag in. <laughs> Great. But also, there is a lot of material here, so... All right. Vaya con Dios. Let's see if I can beat my time. Okay. And... Are you starting a timer on me? What? Go. Okay. So Geralt is visiting a city, and he has the carcass of a creature on a donkey riding behind his horse that he's riding on. He doesn't mention Roach, but I assume he has to be riding Roach. I I think, uh, yeah. Let's just assume it's Roach. It's Roach. So he's visiting the city alderman, who he seems to have some sort of relationship with. Uh, He hasn't seen the alderman in two years. 
Uh, and he says, hey, I killed this Kikamura, which is kind of like a spider, like... They don't really give a description, but like a spider dragon. Yeah, kind it's, of like, it's like a spider dragon. <laughs> the, the way it's described later on, but... Yeah, so he found the Kikamura on the outskirts of the town, which we learn is called Blaviken. So that's Uh-oh. a hint. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so he, he's bringing the Kikamura into town because, you know, it's rough times for a witcher. I think it's winter. Um, winters are kind of hard for witchers, I guess. So when he's bringing the Kikamura in, he's hoping there's some sort of reward for it. So he gets the, to the alderman, and the alderman's like, uh, no, we're not offering anything like that. We just thought kids were disappearing in the woods. Kids were just disappearing. We weren't really caring that much. We just had more. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what he says. Um, and so, you know, Geralt is catching up with him. They have like a funny a- anecdote about um, the alderman's wife, mm-hmm. um, Labushi. Apparently, Geralt really offended her by throwing a fork at a rat. That was well, in but, house. but but he wasn't offended. She wasn't offended that he threw the fork at the rat. She was deeply offended that she that he hit it <laughs> and in, in the, the dark. dark. <laughs> <laughs> that he I, got the rat. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of both of them. Yes, yes, I I, I cackled. Um, there was a winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Yeah. Uh, I he laughed was, at that one too. Geralt's trying to get south before the uh, before the the snow seals off the passage, kind of thing. So yeah, he's he's passing through Blaviken. It's not his destination by any means, but he's sort of trying to make some money while he's at it. Um, and so he stopped to see his friend, the alderman again. That's Caldemain. Caldemain likes Geralt, it seems, so he says, I'm not offering a reward, and I also don't know anyone else who is. So mm-hmm. why don't we go see the sorcerer that lives in this tower in town? His name is Irian. They always live in towers. Um, and Geralt's like, well, you know, I really don't get along that well with sorcerers, mm-hmm. but I guess I could try. <laughs> because, you know, it's better than throwing it in the cesspool and just seeing what happens. Just, yeah. Yeah throwing it in the landfill. Geralt, with a couple of assistants, lugs over the Kikamora corpse to the tower and knocks on the door. And the door has this like intricate little knob the thing. Magic that fish that it puffs steam. breathes steam that gives a vision. First it's like, yeah, there's nobody here. I'm not taking visitors. Go away. Yeah, and so... He, he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just throw this Kikamora out here and you can deal with it. <laughs> and then um, a completely different voice comes out of the doorbell. And like, is that you? Like, and he's like, yeah. Who and are you? He's like, come in alone. <laughs> don't, don't take any of your associates. And so Caldemain is like, okay, assistants, throw the thing into the cesspool and I guess we'll leave Geralt alone. We'll catch up with you cool. later, Geralt. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, so um, Geralt gets in there. It's like pitch black, and he's like, "What is going on?" Um, and then he sees this like massive illusion inside. It's there's naked women. There's like a whole like mountain country it's scene. It's a cottage side from the Swiss Miss cover, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And he's approached by Stregobor, which is just a great wizard name. Isn't it is it? a fantastic wizard name. Yep. And it also helps that he's described by Geralt as the most wizard. The most wizard looking wizard who ever wizard. Yes. He's like, <laughs> he's everything you would imagine. I imagine him kind of like a mini Gandalf. Yep. That's uh, pretty much exactly what I He's got like I was, a yep. crooked nose. Yep. And he's Carries got a big staff, has a pointy hat. Yep. He looks just like a D&D wizard. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like anyone would know what he would look like. I, I think the line that I that I loved in it that uh, was, I've met thieves who look like princes and princes who look like beggars. Mm-hmm. But Stregobor has always looked as much like a wizard as one would expect a wizard to look. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Geralt sits down with Stregobor and he's like, it's just fate that I run into you because I'm dealing with a situation here. Um, have you ever heard of the curse of the black sun? No, tell me more. Tell so, me more, tell me more. Sorry. So the curse of the black sun is a like prophecy some sort of like 
it is a legend. It is a some like a almost like an urban legend, mm. but one that people have invested a lot of stock into. It, it's it it kind of hits up with like a you'd almost put it on par with like a like a cryptid in mm-hmm. terms of its notor- notoriety. Kinda, I guess you could. Is say that the right word? There. Okay. Um, in terms of like how seriously people carried it but it, it is more of a prophecy yeah but it's yeah people believe it and that that is the the rub people don't know if it's actually real mm-hmm. or if it's a witch hunt so i think that you could probably compare the curse of the black sun to you know the witch trials like in yeah Salem. yeah actually that's probably a good way to compare it um so the legend of stregobor sort of gives us a curse of the black sun 101 yeah <laughs> which is great but yeah this this but this series is fantastic at, at like giving exposition without making it feel like the, it's giving exposition yeah Geralt is um he knows what this curse is so they're yeah. going back and forth um so Stregobor is talking about so there was this prophecy that women born after this eclipse were serving Lilith. Mm like the goddess of destruction or something, um, which is very similar to Lilith Lilith, in the Bible. Um, So there were, the prophecy was there will be 60 women who will ride with gold crowns and the river will flow with blood. And drown millions of people in oceans of blood. Yeah. Very, very revelation-y. Yes, very revelation-y. So Stregobor is telling Geralt about how he and his wizard compadres killed singled out autopsied isolated these women who were born after the eclipse they did they did terrible things yeah and so these are these are women who are mostly nobly born yeah in prominent families and it, it kind of is like all of the um stories you've heard about changelings or mm-hmm. families who suddenly become convinced that they're child is evil yeah yeah um so stregobor is saying look we we've autopsied some of these girls that we we killed he is very careful not to mention that he killed a lot of yeah he, he didn't he yeah and and that that's one of those like you can tell he's doing mental gymnastics to make himself feel like he's not the bad guy here kind of thing mm-hmm. and they've had like three hearts and like you know some of them had like pink and red string inside of them i mean he's saying these ridiculous things but Geralt is saying this isn't true you all just killed a bunch of girls for no reason and you believed in what was essentially this big hoax that Mm -hmm. was invented by a wizard who was not sound yeah um so stregobor goes on to say that there was this one particular case that he was called into Mm. so Stregobor was called into um, a particular region mm-hmm. where a woman, a queen, who was married to the king of the region, um, suspected that her stepdaughter was one of the Curse of the Black Sun mm-hmm. girls. Um, so Stregobor went and sort of, I picture him like, hiding behind bushes or something yeah actually i i always had this i had the exact same mental image of him like with a little clipboard like behind a shrub (laughs) like watching this little girl like slowly like murder small animals and things like that yeah so stregobor is observing her from far away anyway so aradia who is the queen of she is the wife of the Prince of Creighton. The backstory is that she gets a magic mirror of Nehalenia. And the mirror gives her a prediction that her stepdaughter, mm-hmm. um, who we later know is run free or Shrike, um, will murder everyone. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, mass murder genocide. everyone. Yep. She's a young girl, though. So she calls Stregobor. And Stregobor comes to observe her. And so Stregobor says that he found that she was murdering puppies, that she had, like, melon balled some servant woman's eyes out. Yeah, yeah. We're never quite sure if what he's saying is true. Yeah. Um, so Stregobor eventually is called away, and Aradia 
So Aradia takes matters into her own hands and she hires a huntsman to take the girl into the woods and they find the man with his pants completely gone in the woods, dead, and the girl has escaped. Mm -hmm. They don't really know where she went for Mm -hmm. many years. Um, And next thing they know, she resurfaced in Mahakam which is the mountains where a lot of dwarves live. Um, the dwarf mountains. It's in between like Redania and Adern. So it, it splits the continent in half. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so she is literally living with seven dwarves. Yep. <laughs> I'll take that back. They are described as seven gnomes. They are described as seven gnomes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and they are a bandit ring. Yep. The only the only reason we can... can we. We can think of them just being described as gnomes, is because I think on on say wanted it. The author wanted it to be like legally distinct from the <laughs> seven dwarfs. <laughs> right. So um, she becomes known as Shrake at this point because uh, she likes to impale people. I think mm-hmm. so. She's pretty notorious. Yep. yep. She is, you know, robbing people blind and. Stregobor starts trying to send murderers after her, assassins. Um, And eventually, he catches up with her. Mm -hmm. And she's in the Mahakam Mountains. I think her seven gnomes have died at this point. Like, she's killed all of them, apparently. Well, it was unclear as to, like, what happened with the gnomes. Um, because she's traveling later on, we find out that she's traveling with seven swordsmen who are not described as gnomes. Yeah. So uh, it's unclear what happened to the gnomes. I think they just <laughs> kind of disappear, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So um, Stragobor and Trike have this altercation where um, he turns her into like, I picture it as like a Han Solo. Thing. Yeah, he, he turns her into crystal. Yeah. <laughs> And um, for good measure, he, like, explodes the, like, cave into her. Mm-hmm. And she is just... He's like, okay, I can just wipe my hands of that and walk away. Yeah. Um, but, and this is where it even gets funnier. A random prince finds random her. Random prince finds her. And he spends a fortune on some sort of counter curse. Yes. <laughs> and she goes back to his country murders his entire family basically murders him into power yes and he is on the throne and she of course is the favorite because yep. he's in love with her yeah yeah um Stray- and he's probably also terrified of her because he she just murdered literally everyone around him yes so stragobor um says that she you know he he still tried to go after her but she mm. is trying to turn the tables and go after She's him She's now, now started sending assassins and things after him, yes. Yes, so he is just dodging attacks on his life all the time, mm-hmm. or so he says. Um, he says that she's become resistant to magic, which Geralt says is impossible. Mm-hmm. Unless she's some type of mutant. Yeah. <laughs> So Stragobor tells Geralt, look, you're the only one that can help me. I want you to kill Shrike. And Geralt says, I don't kill people. I'm not a hired thug. Mm. Again, we see his neutrality. He wants to, if he's asked to pick between the lesser evils, Mm. which Stragobor asks him to do, he doesn't want to pick. He doesn't want to choose. He doesn't want to get in the middle. So he leaves and just says, I'm not going to kill her. But we later do learn that he does decide to check up on her. Yeah. Yep. Later, he meets back up with Caldemain and Blaviken. And he's at a pub. And Caldemain is inquiring with the innkeeper or barkeeper. Is um, a woman here Mm. traveling with a company of seven men. Mm. And... The barkeep is like, yeah, she's here. Yeah. And so Geralt goes over to like a curtained area and yep. there's all these it's ruffians. The, the back corner of the pub and it's the private booth, mm-hmm. the bottle service area, you know. <laughs> VIP. VIP. All <laughs> eyes on me. Medieval times. <laughs> VIP medieval times. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> 
Um, and Geralt is like, hey, I want to see Shrake. And they're like, who are you? Like, why did you just come up in our space and ask to see Shrake? Like, we're not going to tell you that. Yeah. And they're also bored. So they're like, hey, yeah, let's you want to fight? Let's fight him. Hey, let's fight him. You want to fight? You want to take this outside? <laughs> and Geralt. Take this outside. It's funny because eventually it escalates into yo mama jokes. Yeah, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> because there is a half elf in the company and Geralt is like, I would be careful to talk if I were you because it looks like your mom like to wander through the woods for long periods of time. Yeah. And uh, he tells Geralt, at least I knew my mom. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, we both literally actually did that while reading while reading the book it was a pretty funny exchange it is a it is a pretty funny exchange so anyway um eventually Renfrey comes back um she is a tall woman with an asymmetrical haircut Mm -hmm. and she seems to have very good command over her men Mm -hmm. uh she comes back and she's like everyone shut up just stop and everyone does shut up they're like (laughs) all right um and so Renfrey seems very um, amused by Geralt, and it seems like she she's sort of toying with him a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Geralt basically leaves for the night. Um, not really, nothing comes of that conversation necessarily. Um, and then when he gets back to Caldemain's place where he's staying for the night, who is in his room? Which surprise, there's him. someone in his bed. Renfrey. Renfrey. So Renfrey, after that very sexual introduction where Geralt pins her to the bed. um, I'm unarmed. You can check anywhere you want. (laughs) Um, They have this very flirtatious game and Geralt and her get to talking. And Renfrey sort of tells her perspective on everything Mm -hmm. that Stregobor said before. So... She says, look, I was targeted by my stepmother mm-hmm. and the man that she hired to kill me, rape me, and then just robbed, robbed me, me and left me for dead. <laughs> yeah, left me for dead. Um, so Renfrey also says that Stregobor and her stepmother, Aradia, tried to poison her with a poisoned apple. Oh, yeah. It was an apple full of... Nightshade. Nightshade. That was it. I knew it was something I had heard of. Yeah. Yeah. So the the gnome medic saves her. That's how she yes. initially meets the that gnomes. That was how she met the gnomes. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Yep. So Renfrey, after telling Geralt her tragic backstory, poses the same question that Stregobor did, which is, I am who I am. You can choose me and you can choose lesser evil. And Geralt again reiterates, look, I can't choose. Mm. I, when, when I'm posed with this question, I don't choose. Mm-hmm. And he, at the end of it, Renfrey says, look, I'll leave then. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there's also like kind of an interesting moment where Renfrey grabs his medallion mm-hmm. and she has sort of a prophetic event where she foresees her own death oh yeah i forgot about that she sees um you know blood on the ground she sees um she says i'm cold Mm -hmm. it foreshadows her own death so that is interesting that the medallion has those magical properties Mm -hmm. so people are able to use it as sort of a conduit almost yeah um also very notable in here she brings up the ultimatum of tritum mm-hmm. which is something that causes Geralt to realize her plan later mm-hmm. the ultimatum of tritum is something where um the bandits took off from mm-hmm. a local king and they started throwing them i think they were on a boat they took yeah it was a ferry that they they took hostage and they started throwing off the hostages one by one and eventually it caused the king to surrender. Mm-hmm. And she mentions this, but um, Geralt doesn't really doesn't really register for yeah. him. Because naked lady. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, Geralt really seems to get along with her. 
Sure. <laughs> that's that's a that's a PG way to put she, it. She, <laughs> she says like, look, I don't want to go down the roof at this hour. It was hard getting up here. <laughs> and Gerald's like, that's not becoming of a princess. And she's like, princesses do whatever they want, damn well please. Which I was like, get it, girl. <laughs> So, so that's how that ends. Um, so the next morning, Geralt is with Cal Domain, um, and they're sort of talking, and Geralt says, look, Shrike has decided to leave on her own accord, and she and the and her seven swordsmen are leaving this morning. Mm. And Cal Domain is like, that's great, because I really didn't want to get involved. I, I did not actually have any authority over them. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that I forgot to mention um, in the bar scene was that um, Renfrey had shown paperwork saying, like, you can't touch them. I have diplomatic immunity. Yeah, um, from, like, King Alduin, I think. Mm -hmm. And he was like, look, I couldn't have, like, touched them if I wanted to because that king is very... He's very aggressive and, like, yeah. Very touchy. That would have been, yeah. And so he starts telling telling him a little bit about each person that he encountered at the bar last mm. night and something suddenly just clicks for Geralt mm. and he's like oh they're not leaving they're going to do the ultimatum of Tritum again yeah. so he rushes out into um, the marketplace that is the backdrop that's happening mm-hmm. is at the beginning we learn that there's going to be this large market in Blaviken. Mm-hmm. Um, and Call Domain the whole time is saying, like, don't go, don't go. But Geralt knows he has to go. Yeah. And so he goes to the market and he encounters all of her men. And mm-hmm. they deliver a message to Geralt as he's approaching. Mm-hmm. And again, they reiterate Renfrey's message, which is, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Choose me or a lesser. Yeah. So Geralt continues coming for them. They um, hold a crossbow to him and he deflects it. Deflects a crossbow bolt mid flight. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh shit, this is bad news for us. Yeah. So they all try to attack him, but he's just able to cut through them really easily yeah and in a matter of minutes they're all on the ground and next Renfrey approaches Mm. and Renfrey you know she approaches she has chain mail it's clear Mm. that she knows that she's not going to come out of this like either he's gonna die or she's gonna die yeah yeah Geralt is like I really don't want to do this but Mm. Renfrey's like we have to well you've already chosen and one of the lines that she says is, okay, you've chosen. How do you know if it's the right decision? But Geralt has already chosen, so he has no choice but to mm-hmm. go on with it. And he knew that it had to end this way because he didn't want to endanger innocent people at the marketplace. Yep. So he gets into a duel with her. He, um, you know, they, they seem to be like pretty well matched at first. Mm-hmm. You can tell that she's really practiced. You can tell that yeah. she's done this before. It's not her first time. Yeah. Um, but eventually he does cut her pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Like from the thigh into the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And she collapses and Geralt rushes over and she dies right there. Mm-hmm. And Stregobor comes over. I don't know where he's been lurking. I guess he's in the bushes again. In the bushes again, yep. yep. <laughs> um, and he's like, great, Geralt. I'm, I'm so glad oh, good. you taking <laughs> care of this for me. Um, let's just load her up into the cart and we can do an autopsy. Yeah, yeah, we can We can start cutting her up. You know, these are some good good organs we got here we can do stuff Time, with. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Geralt is like, don't touch her. And in the book, it's actually described as a man that the Witcher did not know. So he, he's viewing this as foreign. It's like so outside of himself huh. to be invested in this, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's why he viewed it as so foreign. Um, and he says, don't touch her. And Stregobor's like, fine, fine. He's like, I'm going this way. Do you want to come with me? And Geralt's like, nah. No. I don't. <laughs> I don't like you. 
And so Stregobor goes off, and then Caldemain comes over, the alderman, who is in mm. charge of this town. He's like, so this is what you consider the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, oh, We got story yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Caldemain's like, okay, go, and never come back. Mm-hmm. And that is where we get the Butcher of Blaviken. Yep. And they start throwing rocks at him as he, as he exits the town. Yeah, so. he has to use a sign to shield himself. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, I had read this story before you hadn't. Mm-hmm. What were your initial impressions? So, before we get into impressions, I think we need to take a moment to talk about what we are sampling and pairing with the reading tonight. Very true. Very true. Um, so, tonight we are, we are uh, indulging in a Lombrusco, uh, which is a nice Italian table wine. Um, not a, it's not a super familiar style for either one of us, but I've had it a couple of times before. Alexa has never had it before. It's interesting, uh, because a, it's a little bit hard to find. Um, it doesn't really show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And B, it is a generally carbonated red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted a kind of a red wine, red kind of meaty ish meal wine to go with, uh, with a very meaty story. Um, this we also wanted blood red. Of course. You like know, the blood that flows through the streets of Blaviken. Sure. <laughs> um, so this is a Dolce Rosso uh, Lombroso? Lombrusco. Uh, it is from uh, Reg- Reggio Emilia, Italy. And to think you call yourself Italian. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm realizing my Italian pronunciation may be, may be worse than anything else. And I am Italian, so that, that might be. Um, there is a cork here, so we're going to open this up. And uh, we'll do it near the, near the mic and hope not to, to blow anybody out here, but it might happen. So. I'm wearing headphones. I'm Alexa is headphones. wearing headphones, so that's going to be interesting. There it is. Opa. So... Ooh, it is a, the color is a very velvety, purplish, burgundy wine. I'm excited for this. I am too, because like I said, I've only ever had like one or two of them. Um, I know it's not a super, super fancy style of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of in, in on par with like a sangria um, in terms of like where you would find it, how you would have it, how you would serve it. It smells delicious. Yep, it smells very, very sweet. <laughs> I got, um, like, blackberry. A lot of blackberry. A lot of blackberry. Um, light carbonation, so there's a little tiny little bit of fizz. Actually, almost like a good, like, real dark stout. It's about that level of fizz. It's a beautiful color. Yep. Yep. Just very, very burgundy. Should and, we try uh, it? Shall we try it? Ooh. Ooh. It That's is. really good. It is really good. Um... It is just on the edge of too sweet, um, but the carbonation backs it off a little bit. It reminds me a little of Niagara. Yeah, actually, it does have a very much a, um, like a jamminess to it mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of the New York wines get. Um, Almost like Catawba. Mm, mm-hmm. This is actually like a fantastic Lombrusco. I don't know if it's cl- classic of the style, but... Um, it's probably the best one that I've ever had out of the maybe three that I've had. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of context here, but um, I would highly recommend it. It was an $8 bottle of, of wine, so pretty did hard we, to beat. Did we get it at Total Wine? Yeah, we did get it at Total Wine. We are not sponsored by them, but we might enjoy being sponsored by them if you're listening out there. <laughs> I really enjoy this. I think it's a good pairing. Yeah, I think it's a very good pairing. Um, maybe a little sweet for the pairing, but... Maybe sweet for the metaphor, I should say. So, mm. um, back to the story. Yes. I did want to talk first about the comparison, mm-hmm. because it is Snow White. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's let's get that out of the way here. It is 100%. This is Snow White mm-hmm. of the Grimm's Fairy Tales. Um, but we, we've got, we've gotten accustomed to that, that on, on say likes to do this. So, um, and I, I like his variations on it, so. 
unlike the last short story that we covered, A Grain of Truth, this one was featured in the TV series, and it actually was the first episode. But the thing is, I can't remember the TV episode at all. I remember so it I think, really well. I think we, I think I may need to rewatch it, but eventually we will. Yeah, we are going to do that. So, yeah, I, I the key differences in how it was portrayed in the TV series and how it was portrayed in the book was that in the TV series it was. They sort of merge um, the first short story with how Geralt is treated in the bar by the two men who are taking issue with him. Mm-hmm. And they merge that into the story with Renfrey. Okay. Where they make it like he encountered her in the bar before mm-hmm. meeting Stragabor. Okay. So, obviously there are differences, but I think the key things stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um it's just a a grittier version of Snow White, um, told from the perspective of the other side, which is the evil stepmother and the wizard who's mm-hmm. complicit the in killing her. Quote unquote evil wizard. Who? Well, I mean, he Strigbar is kind of evil on this one, honestly. Yeah, he's straight evil. Um, so we get a lot of the lesser evil here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be really helpful to read the line. So this is something that Geralt says to Stregobor near the end of their discussion. Evil is evil, Stregobor. Lesser, greater, middling, it's all the same. Proportions are negotiated, boundaries blurred. I'm not a pious hermit. I haven't done only good in my life. But if I'm to choose between one evil and another, then I prefer not to choose at all. So what do we think of that line for Geralt? Well, he, he, he always tries to fall into his neutrality, but the problem is that, as, as we know in life, neutrality, by not making a decision, you make a decision. Mm. Um, there's no, it's impossible to not make a decision in any situation, in any, in any point in life, that by not, ma- by not choosing the outcome you by not choosing an outcome and not taking agency in it you are removing yourself from it but you are removing so you you essentially try to remove yourself from guilt Mm -hmm. but by doing so it affects the outcome probably in an unfavorable way usually yeah i i think that Geralt is in he's in this sort of self-righteous place where he thinks he's above having to choose yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that it's he thinks he's above. I think he just he doesn't really have any skin in this game. You know what I mean? Um, that yeah, he, this isn't his fight in any way. Um, this is an evil thing that the an evil wizard did that created an evil girl who does evil things. And Geralt really doesn't have any any stakes in it um, mm-hmm. at all, really. Um, so he doesn't really see either one of them as being like the good person who's worthy of, of protecting or siding with. Um, so I think he just kind of wants to wash his hands of it. But he also realizes that there's a whole bunch of innocent people that are going to get hurt as a result of the actions of some of these people. Yeah, I think you're right in that he feels that he doesn't have any skin in the game. But we see later that he ends up siding mm-hmm. with someone he intrinsically doesn't like or agree yeah. with. And in choosing to protect the civilians, he also protects someone who obviously didn't deserve to be protected. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the circumstance of choosing. Mm-hmm. Is that no matter, as they address in this, how can you be sure that you're picking the right side? Yeah. How can you be sure that, like, how can you have proof that you chose the right thing? And and the other point here, too, is that by not choosing, he was forced to choose. Right. Um, He was forced to, he was for, his hand was forced into making a, a, a possibly you know, possibly faulty or, you know, poor choice kind of thing. Because, yeah, maybe this Stregobor may be a bad person and he may, 
he may have dissected some kids in the past, alive or dead. Um, but this girl is obviously like a genocidal, homicidal maniac. Um, so like, yeah, Stregobor deserves justice, but maybe not by her. Maybe she shouldn't be the one, and it's not to say that she shouldn't be the one to do it, but like, she probably shouldn't be running free either. There's some sort of component of like, um, you know, like the train metaphor. Mm-hmm. Would you sacrifice one life yeah. to, yeah. Um, you know, save five or six or yeah. ten yep. more people? I think, though, <laughs> there's something wrong with me because I'm like, when Renfrey's talking, I'm like, she's speaking a lot of sense. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and, and that, once again, like, he, this is, yeah, this is Ansei and his wonderful ability to make us like unlikable characters <laughs> that like, yeah, you, you feel absolute sympathy for her. You, you're, you're in the shoes of Geralt when, when this is happening that like you absolutely 100% sympathize with her and you're like, yes, go, you know, kill the bad wizard man. But like, then you realize that like, she's not necessarily completely without blemish either kind of thing. Like. But it's not that she's without blemish. I'll tell you why I support her wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because she was assumed a monster mm-hmm. by the people around her. Yes. She had to survive. She was raped. Mm-hmm. She was robbed. She was left for dead. She was forced to do things she didn't want to do mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah. And all the while, her stepmother and Stragabor were at her trying to kill her. We're trying her to kill her over on top of all of this. A myth. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it was a myth. Yeah. But it definitely had a lot of implications in the lives of a lot of girls. And it is really unclear whether it made them evil, this curse of the Black yeah. Sun. Yeah. It's interesting because I think the show shows this a little bit better. But there are a lot of parallels between Geralt and mm-hmm. Renfrey. Yes. Yep. They're both ostracized by society. Mm-hmm. They're both treated as mutants. They're both yep, mutants. They are both mutants, yes. Um, or so society says. Um, so I think that's why Geralt obviously doesn't want to harm her. Mm-hmm. But I think it's why it's so tragic that she died. I'm like, yeah, yep. I would rather see her go on and be a genocidal and maniac and kill other people. I would too. And I think it maybe it would have been a, a more interesting thing to build her into like a longer arcing character. Um, because I, I don't know that Stregobor is really all that interesting. I don't know that we're necessarily going to get a whole lot of like future story out of him, but, um, yeah, at at the same time, like she seems kind of unhinged and maybe might hurt a whole bunch of other people that like, yeah, maybe it's justified this time, but maybe next time it won't be. And it's, yeah. Good the, for her. I am hundred <laughs> percent team Renfrey. I am I'm like ninety nine point nine 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 percent team Renfrey. The other point zero 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 one percent is like team neutrality. <laughs> it's not even team Stragobor, it's The other line I wanted to read was from Renfrey mm-hmm. because it's when Geralt so she presents him with something of a choice again Mm -hmm. to try to choose the lesser evil she says you could actually prevent all of this you could go into Stregobor's tower and just kill him Mm -hmm. and then there wouldn't be a problem anymore yeah and Geralt refuses Mm -hmm. and she tells him I pity you you claim a lesser evil doesn't exist you're standing on a flagstone running with blood alone and so very lonely because you can't choose but you had to and you'll never know, you'll never be sure, if you are right, and your reward will be stoning in a bad word. I pity you. And that's also interesting too, because he literally has stones thrown at him at the be- at the end of the at the end of the, the story. I think that's because she had already seen the future. Yeah. She yeah. knew she would die. But I think that's what makes that scene so compelling is that she knows what's going to happen and she pities him. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that the fact that Geralt, you know, is committed to not choosing but ends up having to choose, like you said, makes it very tragic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's there's absolutely something of a of a Greek 
tragedy here. Um, sort of a, a little bit of an Oedipus type story um, where like nobody gets out in a good way and like everything is terrible. And there's, I view there's, it more like like Hamlet, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's probably a better, a more apt story. But um, one of the things that I did want to also talk about was the fact that so while this this was obviously a metaphor for or well it was a retelling of um, Snow White, right? Snow White. Snow White. Yeah, Snow White. Um, it also paralleled a lot of. Um, the embarrassment children. Hmm. Uh, you know what I mean by that? I, I don't think that... Like the, the children who are kept in the attic? Yes. Uh, I don't think embarrassment children is the word, is the phrase I'm looking for, but um, the, the embarrassment rooms mm-hmm. that they would have, um, that they would lock up, you know, family members who were deformed or otherwise undesirable, air mm-hmm. quotes. Um because they and and it, it talks it it shows a, a pretty interesting literary like analogy as to like what would what the result of that would be um you know being someone who basically their entire life has been told that they're cursed and um that they're going to be evil and that everything is terrible about them mm-hmm. yeah i think that it's interesting because Renfrey is really victimized um, for no fault of her own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. By the circumstance of her birth. And in fact, she was very favored by her father. Yeah, yep. But she was the, the, was she the firstborn? I, but she was from the first marriage. I know that, so. We, we don't learn if she had any siblings. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like she had any siblings from her father's first marriage. Um, but, you know, it's hard to look at this as not a stepmother came in yeah. didn't want her in the picture and the realized thing is, that her her and her children would have like a better claim to the throne than the stepmother's kids when renfrey says you'll never know if you made the right decision mm-hmm. i think she's also saying it in a more general term about society yeah. no one will ever know for sure if there was an actual curse of the black sun yeah and look at the carnage left in the wake of that. Yeah, and that's a that's a very true statement about a lot of life as well. Is that there's 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 so many times where like you make a decision on on things. You know, we we had chicken for dinner tonight. You know, was that the right decision? I don't know, and maybe we'll never actually find out. Um, but there's a lot of times in in life where you you make a choice and you don't know what how things would have turned out if you had chosen the other the other option yeah i i think that this leaves a lot of compelling questions and it definitely made me very sad that renfrey had to die and that Geralt had to unwittingly kill her yeah i think we're kind of like digging around for some big conclusion here but this this chapter definitely opens more doors and asks more questions than it provides like answers and or you know literary analogy that can be applied to other places kind of thing yeah i i think i did want to ask about the butcher of blaviken Mm -hmm. do you think it's fair that Geralt became known for this okay so later you're you're specifically asking me a question that that you already know the answer to because the end literally the end of my the end the end of our read through i literally turned to you and said wait that's that's why he's called the butcher of blaviken because I kind of had in my mind that he had like murdered like an entire village or like something had happened that he got, he took the blame for on like an entire village being like decimated or something like that. But he in the in the storyline, like he ends up he kills like seven bandits and like, a you know, a, a warlord chief kind of thing like. You know, and and so it doesn't necessarily seem like he earned that nickname so much. But from from the, the you know from the average guy in the marketplace, like I guess that that does kind of make more sense. That like because you don't know the backstory of who these people are and why this random guy is just walking through and mowing people down with a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, to you, that's you know a random half elf guy who you don't know why he's in the market, but he's probably not doing anything bad. 
um, you don't realize that he's kind of keeping people safe right now. So, yeah, I think it's more the perception because, mm. like you said, you don't know what the motive is yeah. of this white-haired guy who's just, who's just people killing down. people. Yes, and it it is also one of the biggest business commerce days yeah in blaviken because it's marketplace yeah there's just a ton of probably travelers people that don't generally like shop in the city or Mm -hmm. so he has a giant audience yeah and they're just bodies yeah everywhere yeah people being chopped up in the middle of the town square so yeah yeah and i think renfrey of course not a lot of people knew about yeah yeah. Her, her carnage or her murders. Yeah. Didn't so know who again, she was. to see Geralt kill Renfrey in what seemed to be cold blood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you're you're going to throw rocks at that. Yeah. I think that's like the least of Geralt's worries. Yeah. I think it's also one of those things where it's like a telephone game where it's mm-hmm. like people pass it down and it becomes something yeah. bigger. Yeah. But I'd also be really curious to find out where this is in the timeline like yeah yeah actually, how far I, before I don't really the, know where it is either how far before the events i don't mm-hmm. think it really matters but it would be really interesting for context yeah um one of the other things too that i actually just thought of um is the fact that um because of ren Free's uh safe passage papers for lack of a better description mm-hmm. or diplomatic immunity um, this may have also created a very large problem for the town as a whole mm. because they may have they may now be incurring the wrath of um, the the king of I don't actually know what he's king of okay but I do know it was a pretty big deal for them yeah so it may have been like, it may have been that, like, he now, like, destroyed all of their trade and commerce with the local kingdom. Like, that, you know, because, oh, you know, even though we weren't the ones that actively killed your your girlfriend here, they died here. And we have this weird story about a white-haired witcher showing up and killing people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, are you really going to believe that? Or, you know, do you think that just all that you care about is that your girlfriend is dead and she died in this town? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that until just now, but Yeah, that would definitely present problems for Caldemain. Yeah. Like absolutely. because I'm sure people knew that Caldemain was close with Geralt. Yeah. Or yep. at least knew absolutely. him. Absolutely. So I do wonder what happened to Caldemain. Mm. Because one of the major things he was saying is that I can't risk my, like, comfy job. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, I forgot that he did actually specifically bring that up. I never have to wonder where the bacon is going to come from. Yep. Like, I always know I can provide for my family. But that is one thing that the king would probably take issue with. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Not <laughs> not only make me lose my job, but also maybe my head. Yeah. it's but... <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Um... I also am reminded how well, like, it is so rare, and I feel like I don't criticize Ansei, but it, it actually isn't from lack of trying. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate a male writer who can write female characters. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very unique, unfortunately. <laughs> I think about, obviously, our, our main protagonist is a man, but some of the most compelling characters are women. Yeah, yes. And I think Renfrey is very memorable Mm -hmm. because of her ambiguity, and she's not like this one-dimensional villain. Yeah. She is very much a three-dimensional character. Yep. Yes, she was killed, and that is very sad, but I think it's it's realistic. Mm -hmm. It's not really a woman in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. I think that... It is a, a full story. It's a full conclusion. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like he killed her at the end just to punctuate it or yeah, no, create it, an it, exclamation mark. It felt like a, a solid conclusion to a, a, a long story arc that we are only told about, that, but we still feel that we experience it kind of thing. Yeah, I also, it's interesting because I usually, I usually don't love like, overly sexualizing female characters Mm -hmm. 
But I never minded in this because it feels like every woman that Geralt, you know, is with feels like he has full conversations with them. Yeah, yeah. It's not just that this is a sex scene. It's a, this is a, this is a romance scene. Like, I mean, honestly, for lack of a better description, um, that like the purpose of these scenes are not necessarily titillation. The purpose is, is actually more for story development and actual, actual plot point and progressing things forward. And the other thing is, I'll, I'll be very transparent about my ships for this. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely a Geralt Yennefer shipper. Yep, yep. But Geralt does have these really short romances with characters, and I don't feel like those take away at all from yeah. the eventual pairing. Like, I yeah. don't feel like his relationships with Renfrey or Essie Davin later, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. um take away at all from what he has with Yennefer. But it is what it is. It's like, it's a short-term thing. Mm-hmm. It's contained. Yep. Sometimes they, they don't end well. Yeah. But I, I always appreciate that the romances are interesting and believable, and they and they feel like they could really happen. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. And, and I think that it, a lot of it also ends up being a result of the fact that, like, Geralt and Yennefer spend too, so much time apart from each other mm-hmm. um, that it, it doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel wrong um, because it doesn't feel like they're necessarily currently, uh, you know, intertwined with each other kind of thing. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that like, oh, it's totally cool if, you know, they're but the, the, it, it seems to be the thing that works for them. You know what I mean? I just remembered we have to read Shard of Ice. Okay. And Sword of Destiny. Okay. And that is just so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Emotionally. Okay. Uh, I, we'll, I don't want to we'll get through that. I don't <laughs> want to give too much away, but it's just a hard. It's a hard one for Geralt Yennefer shippers. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But anyway, we'll talk about but that at a later. We do date. get to get through the the last wish. Um, what are we going to be reading next week, though? So the next story is a really good one. We've mm-hmm. had like a ton of good ones in a row and not that there are any bad ones in The Last Wish, although there is one that really prominently features dandelion, which John Mark okay. will just love. Um, so there may be some dandelion <laughs> wine involved for my, for, <laughs> for my, uh, my reading. The next chapter that we'll cover is A Question of Price. Okay. Which is the story of the Law of Surprise and how Geralt oh, yeah, yeah. ended up being the guardian of Ciri. Mm-hmm. Um, so we meet another great character, um, Calanthe, mm-hmm. the queen of Sintra. Mm-hmm. Um, she is... So when I watched the TV series and we met Calanthe, mm-hmm. um, I was like, they must have like really revved her up. Yeah, like, yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> she can't have been such like a stone this cold is badass. such a... Yeah, badass female character. She's all that more in the book. (laughs) They toned her down. (laughs) They didn't even tone her. I mean, like, honestly, everything is translated so perfectly. But, like, I am so excited to talk about her next week. Okay. We'll also have another Voice of Reason Mm -hmm. bridge chapter. Yep. So any last thoughts before we leave? I, I I don't think we have any real last thoughts here. But like I said, I think this was definitely a chapter that that really definitely raises more questions than it answers. Um, But I think, you know, sometimes we need those, so. It definitely has me thinking um, of voting. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's a weird place to go, but when we don't make a choice, we inevitably choose wrong. Yeah, no, that's actually a good way to put it. Being involved and being civically involved is so important. So I I think that this reminds me that the lesser of two evils is still a good thing. And whoever you view is that, hopefully not Donald Trump, um, I think that's worth voting for. So exercise your right right to vote. Indeed. USA. Um, but, uh, with that, I think you can meet us, you can find us at the same bat time and the same bat channel, uh, probably next week. 
Yeah, probably with a different drink, but we'll. Yeah. I think I think we may we may need to take a break for a little while. Actually, I think we we have some. We're we're gonna venture out a little bit and maybe do some uh, do some trash literature um, for like an episode. Maybe maybe not the next one, but it might be. It's it's coming down the pipe at some point here. So I think we have to finish the whole of the Last Wish before we before we tackle we, we venture one of out. the okay. The perfect trash literature books that we found. What, you don't want to talk about Warrior Cats? We are going to talk about it, but <laughs> not yet. Okay. Okay. Well, with that, uh, good night, good luck, and uh, may the odds ever be in your favor. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night.